Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Misech this Psachim as we gear up to prepare for Pesach. Perek, Beis, Mishnah Beis, and Mishnah Gimel. Chomets Nachish Oval of Pesach. Chomets that belongs to a non Jew that that exists over Pesach, as in if a non-Jew owns chametz over Pesach, nas, no, once Pesach concludes, that chametz is permitted to have benef- to be benefited from, as in to say, once allowed to go to a store that was owned by a non-Jew and purchase any chametz after Pesach concludes, because chametz owned by a non-Jew, again, on Pesach one can buy it, but after Pesach one can engage with it, buy it, have all sorts of hanav from it. However, Vishay Yisrael, if a Jew owns chametz over Pesach, then it becomes forbidden to have benefit. This is rabbinic, according to most opinions, that the rabbis wanted to ensure and to penalize those who kept chametz in their homes over Pesach. And so they said, after Pesach, one's not allowed to have any sort of benefit from it. Shinemar, although we are going to quote a Pesach, lo yer soar, that leaven bread should not be seen in your possession. That is to say that a Jew is not allowed to have chametz in his possession over Pesach, and therefore the rabbis are going to penalize him for keeping the, for the chametz in his possession to make it also forbidden to have enough from it after Pesach. So much so that this could be why the Gemara tells us that if someone forgets to do badikas chametz on the night of the 14th, they should do it on Pesach itself. And if they... Don't do B'dikas Chametz on, Pes- on Pesach itself. They still have to do B'dikas Chametz, search and destroy the Chametz after Pesach. And the question is, why after Pesach? And the answer is going to be, because we want to prevent a person from eating the Chametz all over Pesach, the Chametz that was in the Jewish possession over Pesach, which is now forbidden to have benefit from. Okay, Mishnah Gimel. The case is as follows. A non-Jew lends, Jew, uh, lends uh, money to a Jew, and the Jew therefore takes chametz and gives it to the non-Jew as a collateral, as a security. It's, it's a simple case. The non-Jew says, the Jew needs money. So the Jew says, I'm going to borrow $1,000. The non-Jew says, well, I need some sort of collateral, some sort of security. So the Jew says, okay, here's a, here's a box of uh, crackers. Okay. So now the non-Jew has his box of crackers in his possession. The halach is that if the Jew does not pay on time, then we look at it as if retroactively, that the moment the Jew hands over the box of crackers, or for that matter, whatever the collateral could be, it could be a shirt, it could be a car, it's as if retroactively, from the moment he handed it over, that's when it came into the possession of the non-Jew, or for that matter, to the person who's lending the money. In general, so just leave out the Jew and non-Jew here. If I were to, if what person A lends person B money and person B gives person A a collateral, in the event that person B does not pay back, then the collateral becomes person A's not from the moment he reneges on his loan, but from the moment that he actually handed over uh, when the loan took place. So now to plug it into our case here. A non-Jew lends a Jew money, and the Jew gives as a security, as a, as a collateral, chamit to the non-Jew. And then the Jew reneges on his loan, he fails to pay his loan. So what we say is, it's now as if the Chomets was in the possession of the non-Jew from the moment the loan was given, which was prior to Pesach, and therefore this Chomets is permitted to have benefit from because it was in the non-Jew's possession, it was owned by the non-Jew before Pesach, playing off our previous Mishnah. Now the reverse case, obviously, is going to be opposite. If a Jew lends a non-Jew money, if a Jew lends a non-Jew money, and a non-Jew gives Chomets, gives his box of crackers to the Jew, and then the, the non-Jew reneges and does not pay up the loan. So we look at it as if the collateral that was given, the box of, of Cheerios, the box of crackers that was given, was given from the moment the loan was t- took place, which was prior to Pesach, which means now the Jew has chametz in his possession over Pesach, thus it's Aser Behana. Chametz and Apolav Mapolis. What happens if chametz is uh, under ruins? A building collapses and it covers the bakery. Harihum Kimivar. We look at it as if it's destroyed, as in we don't force a person. Yes, we do try to go out of our way to um, to get rid of all chametz, but if it's so difficult, we don't force a person to excavate the whole area to remove whatever is under this under this this ruins. Rather, we say the person can just vat, let's say it's bittel, and you're done. 
How deep does it have to be that we consider it to be destroyed? Do we say you don't have to go and search and destroy it? So he says, so it's deep enough that a dog cannot smell it when it's going to search for it. But if a dog can smell it, then we assume it's close enough to the surface. It's within usually three tzvachim, and therefore one would have to dig it up to destroy it. I wish you all a wonderful day.